You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I take full responsibility for everything this government has been doing in tackling coronavirus, and I'm very proud of our record. Tens of thousands of our citizens have died avoidably. These were unnecessary deaths because of systematic government misconduct. With good British common sense, we will continue to defeat this virus and take this country forward. There are a lot of green shoots of opportunity on the horizon. You know, we've been held down on forest floor for far too long, and we will reach that canopy again. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. A very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now, the UK and the EU are heading for a final Brexit battle over fishing rights. It's a sign the two sides have largely settled their differences over the other major obstacles to a trade agreement. Well, here's Boris Johnson. Every opportunity, every hope I have that our friends and partners across the channel will, uh, will see sense and, and, and do a deal. And all that that takes is for them to understand that the UK has a, a natural right, like every other country, uh, to want to be able uh, to control its own laws and its own uh, fishing grounds. But officials are cautiously optimistic a deal could be reached within days, but they are still warning large differences remain and, when have we heard this before, talks could fall apart. Yes, there is that pessimistic slant to all of this still. Meanwhile, retailers, food manufacturers calling on MPs to investigate disruption at ports that's closed shipping, caused shipping costs to soar, raised doubts over the stability of supply chains after Brexit. The British Retail Consortium and the Food and Drink Federation are requesting a joint inquiry, saying Brexit is heat pressure on ports already under strain from stockpiling. Helen Dickinson from the British Retail Consortium fears things will get worse if there's no trade deal with the EU by that end of year deadline. There's no doubt that UK ports will be placed under even greater pressure at that end of the year when those new processes um, come in. And there is a risk of of those tariffs if we don't have a tariff-free deal. That was Helen Dickinson of the British Retail Consortium. So, Boris Johnson coming up to Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve a week today. If not on Santa's good list, not quite so much perhaps on his naughty list either. A Brexit deal seems within grasp and he's managed to steer away from being the Grinch who stole Christmas as well, while making it clear that extreme caution because of the virus is required around the turkey and the Yule logs. Well, joining us now to see what might be under the tree for Boris this year is the Bloomberg Opinion columnist, Therese Raphael. Therese, thanks for being with us again. Well, first of all, let's look at Brexit. A difficult moment. If a deal emerges, and the signs suggest it might, is it going to be enough on his side, on Boris's side, to keep his ERG backbenchers with him, not shouting about betrayal? 
Well, I think one thing we can say is that this isn't the same ERG that doomed Theresa May's three attempts to get her with uh, her withdrawal agreement, her on the meaningful vote through Parliament, and partly it's because some of them have already most likely come to terms with the deal that Boris Johnson is trying to do. They know that Britain is going to have to compromise somewhat. Uh, they would rather a deal than owning no deal. Um, there will be a minority of Tory MPs, the heart, the ERG hardliners, for whom any compromise is a bridge too far, is sovereignty sold out, is a capitulation, and they will be vocal. But I think, you know, another crucial difference is Boris Johnson's cabinet is behind him, and that wasn't the case with uh, Theresa May at all. And he's also got a Labour Party that is very likely to vote for any deal that he brings back. So, you know, we saw, uh, you know, it's, even with this week, Boris Johnson is talking to the backbenchers and the ERG representatives. He's bringing them along. He's telling them to ignore the EU propaganda, as he calls it, on on uh, what's happening. So he, he will try to keep them close, but he will be very accepting that a few of them are going to be unhappy no matter what, and that that's probably not going to make much difference in terms of a deal getting adopted. Okay, so the sense is that it's overwhelmingly likely to pass. What about the democratic aspect to this? Whatever happens, if we get a deal, there's not going to be a lot of time to discuss this in Parliament. Is there any way this can be more than a rubber stamping? We heard from Downing Street in a statement earlier saying Parliament has long shown it can move at pace and the country would expect nothing less. But the reality is there just isn't a lot of time to go through a lot of complicated information. No, and you'd be forgiven for thinking that Boris Johnson likes it that way. Remember, he didn't want to give Parliament much time to scrutinize a withdrawal agreement, um, and indeed they didn't. And 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 later, the questions about the Northern Ireland Protocol uh, came up, and and that produced the uh, Internal Markets Bill, which sought to basically, you know, redraft uh, parts of that protocol. So, from Boris Johnson's perspective, the quicker Parliament can. Uh, move on any deal and the less time they have to scrutinize it, the better. But obviously, MPs are going to have something to say about that. Now, whether they would, you know, actually prevent a deal from happening, from being able to be implemented because of lack of time, uh, that's a pretty big gamble on the part of Parliament. And I think, you know, Johnson will successfully whip his own side uh, in favor. And it, it would be a pretty bold move for for Keir Starmer, I think, to try to block a deal on those grounds. But uh, certainly that's going to be a debate. It's the same one on the EU side as the European Parliament will also expect to have time to uh, look at a deal. Well, let's move on to the other big issue uh, for Boris Johnson at the moment, which is, in a sense, I suppose, the perhaps more dangerous one for him, at least in terms of his own party, which is the restrictions as far as the virus is concerned and how they are developing across the country. We know now, Therese, that he's managed to swerve away from, from getting being told he was the Grinch who stole Christmas, um, but he is still advising caution. But a, a lot of people around, not just in his own party, saying it's quite vague relying on the on the good sense of the people is a way of just ducking responsibility yes i think here we know Boris Johnson likes to be a pleaser. You know, he he wants to give people Christmas. He moved too early on this in in uh, telling people that they would have sort of five days uh, to pretty much do what they want. So 
uh, three households can mix. Now the those guidelines have been reined in quite a lot. They're saying it's a maximum. Try to keep Christmas small. Try to keep it short. Uh, but, you know, the reality is we're moving from tier three restrictions in most of the country very tight levels of controls to, you know, tier zero uh, for five days during Christmas. And medical professionals, and uh, including the, the British Medical Journal and an, edit- an editorial saying this is going to have costs and costs in terms of lives. And I think we'll see uh, a pretty, uh, a, 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 a a pretty frothy blame game afterwards if those numbers as expected of cases and hospitalizations shoot up after Christmas. So, you know, this is one where Boris Johnson didn't feel he had room to move, especially in the north of the country where they face so many restrictions, uh, have brought cases down in lots of places. He didn't want to then take away uh, this Christmas reprieve he'd given them. He also didn't want to anger his own backbenchers. So he stuck with the letter of the policy while you know, mm. uh, reining in the guidance. And he's just going to have his fingers crossed behind his back through Christmas. But it's a very uncomfortable situation for, for Downing Street. Yeah, I see the Daily Mirror going in very hard on the on the accusation that he's pushing the blame onto the people. The word coward appears in very large text on the front page of that paper today. Uh, what about Therese Labour in all of this? Um, I mean, they've been, and Kistama has been, relatively non-committal on a lot of issues and this is another one you've seen them perhaps express a bit of hesitation around getting rid of those relaxations of the restrictions but they've not come out and made an intervention and called for that to be dropped are they going to get away with that or is this going to build up to this Keir Starmer sits on the fence narrative and ultimately hurt him down the line I think Boris Johnson has scored some points with that narrative Um, Starmer has probably not come out hard enough and early enough on this question to really be able to sort of say, I told you so. I mean, he's he's trying that line. But the polls are showing that, you know, Johnson's numbers are still holding up. And that's remarkable given the record in the pandemic, given what's happening in the economy. So, you know, I think on one hand, people appreciate the difficulty that the prime minister faces. They will, um, you know, he, he, he will suffer some uh, in the polls, I think, if this turns out to be as bad as many uh, as many suspect, but I'm not sure that's going to be to Labour's gain. Yeah, a lot of people suggesting that there could be a repeat of what happened in the U.S. with the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, celebrations, and then seeing the the cost of that coming further down the line. People fearing that may be apparent in early 2021. But I suppose, Therese, the thing in all this now maybe is tied rather more than the test and trace issue, which seems to be uh, not working that well. If the vaccine rollout goes efficiently, if the vaccine rollout really works, that at least is something Boris Johnson could tie himself to and say. This has been an efficient use of government structure, government authority to get us out of this in the end. Yeah, you could construct a case that says an efficient vaccine rollout that gets a big chunk of the population vaccinated by the spring would completely change the mood of the country. And in, in, at an important time, because remember, we have uh, local elections, the Scottish elections coming up. So he needs that, he, you know, he needs that new narrative to take hold before, you know, say May. Um, and, and that's his big bet. Now, the numbers we got so far, which were uh, apparently back of the envelope figures, I think 137,000 vaccinations, suggests a pretty slow rollout. You know, if we kept going at that pace, it might take years to get everyone vaccinated. So the government's going to have to uh, find a way to vaccinate a lot more people uh, 
a lot more quickly if it's going to meet that goal. So then looking ahead a little bit, do you see 2021 as the year when Boris Johnson and his government get back to that domestic agenda, the whole levelling up initiative and really start pushing what they promised in 2019? That has to be you know, the, the, the big goal for the government and a real prospect. So if he can get a Brexit deal through, if he can make it through the disruption that a, that a deal is going to mean no matter what, because we're, you know, we, we have many businesses that aren't prepared for additional customs checks and rules of origin checks, if he can get a vaccination rolled out and then begin focusing on those key uh, you know, key promises that he made in 2019, you could see a, a, a real shift. But those are right. all very big ifs. So uh, you know, a slow rollout right. of the vaccine, a deal that proves more disruptive. It could take a long time sure. for people to get over the disruption and the pain and the cost of 2020. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing. The passion to keep investing. The best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. We start with some news around the vaccine, a different vaccine, because Britain's medicines regulator expected to decide on approval for the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine in the next few weeks. That sets up a decision in early January or potentially even sooner. The UK has already approved the jab from Pfizer and BioNTech, of course, that's been rolled out uh, and vaccinated almost 140,000 people in the first week. Uh, but, but more than one can't hurt, can it, Roger? Well, I think that's a fair, reasonable approximation. Most people would actually like a vaccine of any kind right now. Uh, meanwhile, NHS bosses warning the government not to move out of areas out of Tier 3 measures prematurely. The Health Secretary is going to update England's coronavirus restrictions system after London and parts of Essex and Hertfordshire were put into Tier 3 yesterday. The Shadow Business Minister of Manchester Central MP Lucy Powell uh, says some companies want to stay as they are. Meanwhile, Christmas, of course, the Home Secretary says the police will take action against the worst breaches of the virus rules this Christmas. COVID-19 measures being relaxed for five days when up to three households can mix, but the situation's different in Wales where only two homes can come together. Pretty Patel says people across the UK should take steps to stop the virus spreading, of course. Uh, meanwhile, one of our familiar um, people on this programme, uh, Seb, has, uh, well, he's being attacked a little bit by the Daily Mail. Yeah, the Daily Mail has uh, found Tory MP Tobias Elwood at a Christmas dinner with 27 guests at a private members club in Mayfair on Tuesday. So Elf, uh, Elwood is saying that it was a COVID compliant business event. Remember that the numbers of people who can meet for business events are much higher. But then the Iraq Britain Business Council described it on its website as a Christmas party. So there's some sort of disagreement over semantics here. Uh, and then on Monday, Elwood warned that allowing families to meet over Christmas could be very dangerous indeed and risks a third wave. 
Yeah, parties and parties. Well, let's talk about another party, the Tory party itself. Let's talk to Bloomberg's UK government editor, Tim Ross. Tim, thanks for being with us again. Uh, Boris Johnson is steering a difficult path. We were talking about that at the front part of the programme. Is he now in a position, really, to think that he's beginning to get a handle on how to steer this at least past Christmas? Well, it's incredibly hard, as you say. I mean, a few weeks ago, Johnson and the uh, leaders of the other three constituent nations in the UK came up with a plan for Christmas, and it seems to be falling apart a bit, because while in London the government doesn't want to change the rules and is changing some of the guidance to make it tighter, in Scotland they're looking at uh, telling people uh, not to meet apart from one, one day, and in Wales, again, they are, they're changing the rules themselves to make it more difficult to uh, uh, to, for people to meet and to discourage those meetings over Christmas. So it's very hard, actually, I think, to see exactly how this um, is going to going to be done by, by the London government. Um, the, the key problem, obviously, also, is that politically cancelling Christmas is pretty toxic. So Johnson definitely doesn't want to do that. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's stood firm on the rules, changing the guidance. The detractors of the Prime Minister would argue that this is a whole setup so that he can blame the people, uh, as we've seen from some quarters, if those virus numbers go on. Is that really something that he can get away with politically? It just doesn't have a good ring to it either. And as we know, Boris Johnson broadly is a people pleaser. Well, I think any politician who says the people are wrong is going to be in deep trouble. It's never the right answer. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to say that. I think um, he will get the blame, really, whatever happens, even though even though he has gone out of his way in the last 24 hours to uh, to urge people to be extremely cautious. I think the fact of the matter is uh, he has pressed ahead with this relaxation, and so he will have to wear some of the blame if, if it does go wrong. Although there are polling findings out recently that, that have just showed that 80% of people are actually planning... Uh, not to not to take up these freedoms uh, when it comes down to it over Christmas. Well, we'll see how it all planned, pans out in all this, Tim. Thanks so much for being with us. That was Bloomberg's UK government editor, Tim Ross. And, of course, an awful lot of this is going to depend on the rollout of the government's great project to get us all to take the vaccine, which we know has got underway already. Therese Raphael was telling us in the first half of the programme. Let's dig into that a bit deeper. We can bring in Bloomberg Intelligence's senior pharmaceutical analyst, Sam Fazeli. Sam, thanks for being with us again. Uh, first off, in terms of the vaccine, we know that the, uh, the, 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 the current vaccine is being rolled out. Maybe more than 150,000 people in the UK have got it so far. Is it working as it's supposed to in terms of getting where it's supposed to to the people who are at the top of the priority list? Yeah, good morning, uh, Roger. It seems to be doing what it's supposed to do. Um, I don't know about you, but I do have um, uh, people close to me who have already gone and got their vaccine because they qualified for it and needed it, immunosuppressed or uh, at risk. So, so it, that seems to be happening, and, and people are being told, oh, don't come because I don't have any vaccine yet. But, of course, that will happen. We just have to wait for another shipment, another load. It's going to take time. The key element here is that we should all keep our fingers crossed is once you've been vaccinated, at, you're at least good for a year, year and a half. So we don't have to worry about you anymore and we can go to the next uh, to the next group. And Sam, what about the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine that we were mentioning earlier is expected to get approval pretty soon? What does that do in terms of speeding up the rollout of immunisation across the country? Yeah, so I have happily said I would roll up my sleeve for the Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna one. I will think 
very hard about taking the Astra vaccine. There's nothing seriously wrong with it. It's just that I'm very confused by the data. I think if the MHRA is going to approve it, then I'm sure it will be based on good data and, and detail. But I would love to hear their argument about what it is they looked at and what it is that they thought was warranted an approval for a specific group or whatever, whoever they're going to approve it for. And we know that about the U.S. I've heard the experts discuss it for the U.S. Pfizer vaccine. I've heard the experts tonight, hopefully, discuss it for the Moderna vaccine. I'd like to see something like that, an open discussion on this vaccine and why the MHRA has approved it, given that we've got so many questions. And I'm not the only person questioning it. All right. Well, take us inside some of those questions, Sam, because, I mean, the the data that was published, it did have this curious thing where they gave half a dose to people and then they gave another dose and that seemed more effective than the full dose. Is that the problem? Is that still where the doubt remains? Well, so the question I have is that the data that we've seen so far, they had very few people over the age of 55 in the trial. Very few. The majority of the people who were vaccinated were healthcare workers. They have a very different exposure to disease and virus than normal people. Remember the uh, normal people, sorry, than, than the common, the common uh, folk in the street. Um, and they have very different behavior. They all wear much more significant masks, etc. How does that how does that data relate to me, the, the, the Sam Fazeli in the street? And then what about the side effect profile? Tell me a bit more about that. Why were there so few cases at the beginning in the vaccine group, whereas the other group, non-vaccinated pay, uh, subjects, started uh, encountering um, cases straight away? Immediately after vaccination, there were fewer fears. So there are lots of questions here that I just want to hear some experts discuss. And amid all of this, we get the news on Monday that there is another variant, we think, of coronavirus. This was pretty alarming until I did a bit of digging and found out that there are loads of variants. Why is this one being focused on so much? And is it a cause for concern? Nobody can tell you whether it's cause for concern, I have to say, because these variants, we will have one every month if, if this virus does what it does, or every two months. I mean, look at the number of variants. There's 18 that was looked at in the... Uh, in the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine uh, data that they published. So that's 18 already. Um, And we will have more. We will have 30, 40, 50. That's what viruses do. So instead of really winding people up and scaring them, I think it's it's useful perhaps for population control. But I think people should speak after they've got the information and data. Unless they go, no, no, we need to be very careful until we get that data, which which is fair. Sam, let me ask you, you talked about the Sam Fazeli in the street. Let me ask about the Sam Fazeli sitting around the Christmas dinner table. Uh, we've heard a lot from the government about pushing and whether people can or can't or should or shouldn't uh, be together with elderly relatives, for example. I mean, knowing what you know, do you, how safe will it be for a brief period with all these caveats for people to get together over the festive period? Yeah, I mean, your best blueprint for that is uh, Thanksgiving in the U.S., and you can see the results of that. I don't know how the U.S. population behaved exactly. Did they have gatherings of 20 folks or something? But you know Thanksgiving is a very short period of time. It's over about a, you know, you've got a dinner. It's, it's, it's similar to us, Christmas. So you've already ha- run that experiment. You know what happens. So, I mean, you, 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 all you need is to sit to next, next to somebody who's breathing virus out of you. And they have a half a percent, a 50 percent chance of being or 40 percent chance of being asymptomatic. So you don't know. 
And so, that to really... in... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go on, Sam. No, it will result in what we're seeing in the US now, a big spike in everything. So then looking into January, is it realistic to say that we are looking at another lockdown, do you think? Well, I mean, if we do let our guard down over Christmas, and let me just say this, it hurts me to say this. I love having my friends and family around. Well, we've suffered for so long now. We're all desperate to do it. But it feels like we're at the 11th hour before the um, uh, the white flag comes up from the enemy because we're beating it with a vaccine and we're going to let and we're going to let it let it rip. So that's the issue that we have to think about. And yes, if we do it the way that um, if, if, if it does follow the same pattern as the U.S. Thanksgiving, we will have to have a deal with something uh, serious in January. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.